Good day, everyone. Welcome to Your Self-Help Quest. I'm your host, Joshua Melissus, and joining me today is Dr. Tamara Yonke, who is the Dean of the College of Natural and Applied Sciences at Missouri State University. Dr. Yonke, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Now, today's topic is related to women in STEM. And for those who don't know, what is STEM? STEM is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Nice. And uh, I have a source here from bestcolleges.com, and it says that in 2019, women only make up 27% of STEM workers, and women of color represent a small fraction of scientists and engineers in the U.S. Uh, Why is that? Um, It comes from a long history. Um, First of all, women were not... Um, allowed to go to um, uh, to be educated to go into higher education um, and so you don't see women's names on scientific publications um, in the in early times now what we know now is that many women would um, help husbands boyfriends other friends to do their research and so there's a lot of hidden research that got done they were allowed to sometimes sit in a classroom so they were educated more than than um, before but but because they were not part of that education system um, it was very difficult initially for women to um, to be to to be able to be in STEM. STEM is one that requires a little bit of extra edu- education, and so that's where the first kind of um, tier of why you see so few women in STEM. So, what kind of challenges do women in STEM typically face on a daily basis? Yeah. So, so because of that, it's it's. Um, it's a very, it, it has been a very male-dominated profession. Um, and sometimes that's a difficult ceiling to break through um, for some women. What we found most recently is in um, areas like biology, um, there tend to be more, um, more women than men, or at least it's more of a 50-50 split. Um, the, the place where it becomes a little bit more difficult is um, universities are just catching up in terms of having faculties that have that kind of representation. I see it, for example, at Missouri State in the student population, um, and we're working towards that in the faculty population. Chemistry is similar. It's getting close to closer to a 50-50 mix um, in the population. Um, the, the two or three places that we struggle the most yet here at Missouri State is engineering and computer science. Um, very, very few women um, looking to major in those two areas. Um, we have women on the faculty, so I would hope that that would be better. Um, and then um, for, for, the, uh, for both women and, and men of color, um, it's, it's also been um, an issue um, education-wise, and then um, have we given them the opportunities that they needed to succeed? I think we're making progress, but it, it's, it's very slow. With so many of these challenges and systemic issues, how can women overcome these challenges and succeed in STEM fields? I think um, um, 
having a really good mentor is really important or someone that you can talk to. Um, so women, we, women need that, that support or someone that they can relate to, that they can talk to, that can help to give them the courage to move forward. Um, I think, so I think that's one. I think as um, a senior woman here at Missouri State, it's my responsibility then to, to uh, mentor some of the young faculty that we have on campus and to try to help and encourage and provide a pathway for them so that they can be successful. Um, so I think, I think that's, um, that's one of the keys. Um, it's also finding a position and a job that fits your overall personal goals. So it may be in academics, it may be in um, field work, it may be at a company, and, and finding that right match to fit your personal goals with your career goals, um, I think that's important too. What is the queen bee effect and what can we do to deal with it? Um, I'm not sure I know the, I, I'm not sure I know what the queen bee effect is. Can you define that for me? From my understanding, I believe it's when women are, that are in the field disc discriminate against other women. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Yeah, and so how can we how can we avoid that? Um, that one's a tough one. Um, you know, I've only run into that probably once or twice in my whole career. Um, but those people tend to be um, powerful and loud, and and so we hear and we know who they are. Um, that's. Um, you know, I think I think if I were aware of someone that were doing something was doing something like that, I think I would try to confront it and try to um, see if I could get them to understand what they were doing and how uh, detrimental it would be to other faculty. I think I would try to do that. I'm not sure. You know, you got to hold people accountable. So I guess I, I I guess that's what I would try to do if it if I ran into that situation. What are some strategies for increasing rep representation of women? So um, one of the things that we started about 15 years ago was we knew that it was at middle school that that girls really start getting turned off from math and science and engineering. So it, you know, it's at that t time when hormones start t t kicking in and they start thinking about all sorts of other things. So um, we started an event called Expanding Your Horizons where we, had, we brought women um, who were in middle school to campus and at that they met women who, who are scientists, engineers, mathematicians in the area so that they could talk about their careers, what they were doing, what kind of jobs they had. And then we would also do experiments all day. So we would make it kind of a fun day as well. Um, and I think that has an impact. Um, we also more, more recently started an elementary science Olympiad. I keep hearing that it's not just at, at middle school, but you better start at elementary school. <laughs> and so uh, we started bringing uh, elementary students to campus to do science experiments and to 
let them know that they they too can be scientists and they could be university students that at in elementary school they're not thinking about college but but maybe to help them know that there is a path for them and this is an option for them so i think the more we can be out in the community and let people know that number one science is is fun and doable and you can do it too um, it doesn't have to have that it's too hard for me kind of reputation. Yeah. And the thing with the kindergartners, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really fun. Um, you mentioned how it's at, at in middle school is mm -hmm. when they start to, the interest starts to wane. Right. And I have a, um, I researched this and it, I, it said that girls begin to lose confidence in STEM subje subjects at age 15. Mm -hmm. um, and is that kind of like related to, to that, like what you were, what yes, you were talking yes. about? Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, um, they've done another research study, and I, I, I don't have the reference here with me, but where they, they had um, girls and, and boys doing a math test, for example. And if they would, if they would tell them that, hey, I, you know, I know you're going to do really well on this test, um, you know, take this and, and, and we'll look at the results both of them did really well if on the other hand that they, they would give them both the test and say hey this test is really hard I'm not sure how well you're going to do on it they both don't do so well I mean especially the girls don't do so well so I think um you know we get it in our heads that somehow we're not good enough um and and I think girls do that better than than boys at some point and so I think that's when the turn happens and it's tough and it's not that they're not capable they're more than capable um they just have to have someone tell them that they're capable yeah yeah, yeah. so i guess what advice like would you give to a young woman who aspires to work in stem but suffers from like a lack of confidence yeah i would say um be persistent um don't be afraid of failure um in science too, we will fail on a regular basis, but um, it, and experiments were, will fail. Um, but the reality is, then we look at okay, what are all the variables? What do I have control over? What do I not have control over? And how how can I do better? Or how can I redesign this experiment? I think life is very much the same way. Is we need to be persistent. We need to think about where our strengths and weaknesses are, um, and on occasion, it may be, um, how do I ask for help? Or how do I ask for um, some guidance? Or how do I find out if this is what I really want to do? And it might be an internship, it might just be a job shadowing, but, but take advantage of those opportunities um, because some of that will be the spark that, that one needs to continue in, in and be passionate about what you're doing. How effective can self-affirmations be as like, as kind of like, I guess, as an exercise? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, at some point we have to be confident in ourselves, but it's really, it's also really easy for someone to talk themselves out of just about anything. I, I can do that for myself. And so... So I think um, 
having a good sense of self, both both your strengths and your weaknesses are, are really good. But it's also really good to have someone that either you can talk to, that you can be accountable to, that can be your cheerleader, for example, so that, um, because there are times in all of our lives when um, maybe our own thinking on our own, trying to do everything on our own is just not going to be quite good enough. And, and we need to know when it's time to seek um, that pat on the back or seek out that, that cheerleader that will help us get through that next thing that we need to get through. Yeah. Well, and how can women that work in STEM now serve as role, model, role model, models for aspiring young women? Sure. Um, they can um, identify students in their classes and, and you know, help them supervise them on a science fair project or a research project, um, talk to them about careers, talk to them about what they're most interested in and, um, you know, in their wildest dreams, what would they like to do? Um, because sometimes in their wildest dreams, they do want to be a scientist, but they don't even think it's possible. And so by asking those questions, I think it does open the doors and allows um, a, a, a teacher, a faculty member to help them understand that it is truly possible. And then sometimes beyond that, it takes a little bit of tutoring because sometimes, um, and we all do this um, in, in science and mathematics is um, we learn something wrong and, and unlearning that and learning it correctly is very difficult. It's very difficult for all of us. And that's what one of the reasons why math tends and science tend to be so difficult for people is we get these preconceived ideas in our heads and, and it's hard to unlearn them and learn the correct way. So I think, um, I, and I know students get very frustrated with faculty who um, the student comes in and asks for help and the faculty member starts asking them questions. Well, we're, what we're trying to do is understand what do you understand and where's the block in your head <laughs> so that we can knock that block down and reteach and help you to understand how to do it. And, and that way it opens the doors to everything. Um, and so I think, I think providing that kind of mentoring to, to, to students, to young women um, is a great way to open the door and, and let them know it's possible. Might not be easy, but it's certainly possible. Yeah. Yeah. What can science teachers do um, to help their students who have an interest? I think open the doors to them. Um, uh, many of the, the area high schools are now doing uh, <clears throat> career academies. So they're, they're linking up the education process with companies in town to help them understand that if I'm really interested in, in biology or biotech, here are the companies locally that hire those kinds of people and here's what you might be doing in that job. Or you're interested in healthcare, um, here's, what, here's a whole variety of jobs in the hospital. Um, and I think those linkages and understanding, even at the high school level, what's next, what are the opportunities, and then help them understand, you know, for some of those jobs, it's, it's um, a year or two at Ozarks Technical Community College. 
for some of them, it's a four-year or more degree. Maybe it's a master's degree, or maybe that requires a doctorate. Um, certainly to be a physician, you've got to have an MD degree. So, um, you know, knowing what that pathway looks like helps them to also then talk to their parents and talk about, talk about how do I fund this? How, how, how in my family are we going to handle this financial burden? Because it is a financial burden to think about that much education. And so is there a pathway forward that, that is possible for all of us? So to reduce the gender gap, what kinds of communities and opportunities can we create outside of school? Um, you know, outside of, so, so one of the things that we do, I mean, and I, this may not be entirely outside of school, is there are competitions called Science Olympiad. So um, those typically are started at a school. Teams of 15 kids do 30 different science experiments and they compete for gold, silver, and bronze medals, just like you do at the Olympics. And then teams get to go on to state or go on to nationals. Um, and so um, making it more fun in that way, um, going to the Discovery Center. We have a great science museum right here in Springfield and, and spending some time there and, and having fun with it. Um, so they make it fun, they make it more of a play environment, but it's also very much a learning environment. So um, taking that opportunity outside of school to do something like that, um, uh, joining a book club and reading books about either um, famous women scientists, famous scientists in general, or maybe it's just about science in general and, and talking to others about what you're learning about in that book. I think book clubs are great opportunities to to share with peers and others about what you're learning and and then ask the questions because then everyone can help one another dig into what are the answers how do, how do I how do I learn more yeah actually just curious uh, who is your favorite uh, woman in stem um, so yeah that's a, that's a really hard question for me because I don't know that I I can name a favorite um, you know I think of um, I think of the two women who have elements named after them on the periodic table so I'm a chemist and so Lisa Meitner um, is Meitnerium is named after her and and then Marie Curie Curium is named after her so those are the first two that come in come to mind um, and and kind of old school sort of thing, but I absolutely enjoy reading, and and that's really got what got me hooked in science was reading biographies and and reading books um, about scientists and and just just that idea of discovery and solving puzzles and and that's what it's like to do research is often it's solving a puzzle, it's designing an experiment, looking at all the data, and then trying to put it together to make some sense out of it all. What were some of the bi uh, biographies? Um, I remember reading about Clara Barton, who was a nurse. Um, and the, so that's way, way a long time ago. Um, so I remember that. I remember Albert Schweitzer and reading about that. So those were probably the two that I remember off the top of my head. Um, but I still like to read science books, whether they be fiction or nonfiction. So, um, 
there's a, a new, uh, a, well, it's not so new anymore, but a, a series with a character named Flavia Deleuze, and she would solve um, mysteries in her home. Um, she was a, a teenager, so that was appealing, but she had access to her uncle's chemistry lab, um, and they lived in this great big mansion in, um, in Europe. And, and the, the chemistry was sound. I went through every single book and made sure that the chemistry was right, and, and it was really good. And it was, just, it was just so interesting how this author tied in science and chemistry um, to make it intriguing. I think young women would like to read it, but I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. They had me hooked in the very first chapter when Flavia um, steals a tube of lipstick from her older sisters um, because they had locked her in a closet. And she got out of the closet, went out to the backyard, found some poison ivy, took it up to the lab and distilled the oil, did a, a, a steam distillation to get the oil from the, um, from the uh, poison ivy, and then she injected it into the, her sister's lipstick. And then her experiment was then to watch when her sister's lips got blisters on them from the poison ivy, which is not, a, would not recommend anyone yeah. doing that. But, but it was kind of hilarious, I mean, and, 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 and an interesting, and, and that's how you would do it. You would do a steam distillation in order to get that oil from the, um, the poison ivy plant. So I just, I, I found that fascinating. Yeah. What are some influential women working in STEM today? Oh, wow. There are so many. Um, uh, and I won't remember names, but certainly um, um, it was women, two women um, that developed the CRISPR technique. And that CRISPR technique allows you to um, cut pieces of DNA out of out of a, a, a piece of DNA. So you cut a little piece out and you can put a different piece in sort of thing. Um, that has changed technology in, in great ways. And, and that was um, a discovery made by women. They just recently won the Nobel Prize for that. Um, so I think of, of them in particular as, as very recent women. Um, but I think of all the people that are out there doing field work and even the women here at Missouri State who are doing great field work and, and provide and, and are able to be mentors to the students that we have right here on campus. So, um, you know, to, to name individuals becomes um, really difficult for me because I think of it as it's all of us. Yeah. And we all, we, we, all, we all make our little impact in the world. Yeah, well said. Yeah. What are some good programs that encourage women in STEM? Um, I think, um, uh, um, you know, any kind of program that allows for a young person to experience science and to meet women who um, use science or mathematics in their careers um, is, is a great program, and, and often public libraries do that, science museums do that, universities do that, um, the school systems often bring in extra speakers and do that. So I think, I think those things, but I also think summer camps. Um, Discovery Center runs summer camps, Missouri S&T has um, a variety of good summer camps that they do, um, and, and just that opportunity to get away and learn and 
and, and not only learn, but I think it's also a, a maturing process when you go away to camp like that and, and figure out who you are. Um, and sometimes it's a scary proposition to go away that first time, but we, we always grow from those experiences. So I think, I think that's really important to, um, to, to stretch yourself and, and not be afraid to learn new things. So now I guess just getting a little personal, what is your story in STEM? So, so I initially um, thought as a, as a young girl that I wanted to be uh, a medical doctor. Um, my mother was a nurse. Um, uh, my father never graduated from high school. So I was a, a first generation college student, um, decided to major in chemistry and, and loved chemistry. Um, I did undergraduate research. I was able to present my research at the Iowa Academy of Science, which is where I went to school, was at University of Iowa. Um, and, and I did the things right to think about being a doctor. So I spent three summers working at a, as a nurse's aide in a nursing home just to kind of figure out sort of what is healthcare and what does that mean. Um, when it came time to apply for medical school, um, I was on the waiting list and I was far enough down on the waiting list where there was no chance I was going to get in that year. And I, and I knew that. Um, so I went into my advisor and I said, <clears throat> um, you know, what kinds of recommendations would you have for me? What, what, what would make my resume better so that I could get into medical school? And he gave me a variety of options. And what I chose to do was to start graduate school in chemistry um, and retake the MCAT and reapply the next year. Um, well, by the end of the first year of graduate school in chemistry, you have completed almost all of the coursework. And then it's beyond that, it's doing research and writing your thesis and, and that kind of thing, which, which is very labor, labor intensive. Um, but I had, I had increased my score in the MCAT um, and was admitted to medical school. Um, during spring of that first year of graduate school. Um, and so I had a choice to make. Um, do I go to medical school? Do I finish um, a, a PhD in chemistry? Um, and if I finish a PhD in chemistry, what am I gonna do with it? Um, I chose to turn down that admission to medical school. I have never regretted that decision. Um, and, I, and I chose to um, go ahead and and um, go through comps and 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 um, finish a PhD in organic chemistry. So um, I did organic synthesis um, and and wrote a thesis in that area. And Missouri State was one of the places that offered me a teaching job. I'm not sure I knew I was going to go into academics probably until I was applying for jobs and decided that that was the right choice for me. Um, I love teaching. I love watching the light bulb go off when students actually catch on to something. I love it when a student kind of figures out, yes, I can do this, or yes, this is definitely what I want to do. I even appreciate it when a student gets to the point where they've done some activities, um, whether it be in chemistry or whatever, and they say, you know what? And they'll come up to me, Dr. Yonke, you know what? I really don't like this, and I think I want to do this instead. And 
that's okay too because that's what this time is for is to explore and learn and figure out what you like and what you don't like and i had that chance too um and so um love love teaching and love being in this environment in higher education um and have never regretted that i think you know from my parents i learned an appreciation of nature so um um, my father was a fisherman, and if the fish were not biting, then we'd be dissecting frogs in the bottom of the boat or, or, or whatever else. And so um, I had this great appreciation for nature. And um, what chemistry did was allowed me to um, help me to understand how does this one little chemical like the chemical of aspirin, how does that reduce fever and pain? I mean, it's just, it's only made up of carbon and hydrogen and oxygen. How, how does that do that? Um, and therefore, how do any other drugs work? So I've spent my whole career making drugs. <laughs> how have you like personally dealt with any challenges in the workplace? Um, I think um, it's always been having someone to talk to a mentor or someone to talk to so not every day is a good day and sometimes there's there is a challenge so having someone um, to talk to um, and and that can be encouraging that can help you see um, through that the right door and make sure that that you've got those opportunities in front of you um, and so I think I think that's how primarily I, I have gotten through the various challenges and I and I have a great support system um, and so whether it be other women other men who are scientists um, my husband is a very very helpful in in terms of having having that having someone who um, knows me well enough that can help me say no you don't volunteer for one more thing or you know you really need to step back from this thing um, or just get some sleep you know um, and that's sometimes you just need someone to tell you those things too yeah what does the future look like for women in STEM? I think it's bright. I think it's bright for everyone. We, um, you know, right now in our world, um, the things that we don't understand and we need to understand and be able to communicate to others. Um, you know, I know the the students, none of us have enjoyed living through this pandemic but i keep reminding the students and even the faculty we are living through a pandemic what are we learning from this what what can we do better what ha this one's been very unique because you know having vaccines available and approved as quickly only came about because we had done so much previous work and we knew about this virus we didn't know it was going to cause a pandemic but we knew that it was out there and so some of these things had been we'd been working on this for years and and as as we think about that as we think about other challenges in front of us um whether they be climate change or or another pandemic i i think we're going to need scientists that can do the work that can think ahead that can um, help us all be prepared for that and then we also need those people um, that can help us com communicate that too, 
uh, scientists don't always do that really well. Um, and we need to learn how to do that better, but we also need to partner with those who, who um, communicate maybe better than we do. Yeah. Uh, before we go, I'm going to ask you two last questions that I ask everyone. Okay. Um, what is something that has brought you joy today? Oh, um, today. Um, my joy has come from um, the the sunshine and the warm weather that we have today and being able, I was had the opportunity to go for a walk and I just love to just breathe in the fresh air. And so um, that gave me great joy today. Definitely beats those snow days. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, what is something that you need to work on? Something that I need to work on. Um, one of the things that that I need to work on is um, certainly time management and prioritizing the tasks that are in front of me. Um, there are always so many, and and um, sometimes I spend days trying to figure out what's the most important thing to do. Um, some of them you just kind of have to do, but I think it's prioritizing the tasks in front of me. That's that's the most challenging. Well. Uh Dr. Yonke, thank you so much for being here. And for our watchers and listeners, uh, thank you so much. And of course, for more content, please subscribe to our platforms on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and make sure to check out our website as well. Um, I hope you all have a very beautiful day and make sure to take care of yourselves. Thank you for having me. Thank you.